Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor of Fightful.com here. It's September 27th. It's time for episode number 39 of The List and Ya Boy. Before I do the introductions, head over to Fightful.com. We have uh, pro wrestling, MMA, boxing news, photos, videos, interviews, podcasts, and forums uh, on anything you could really think of. We actually have our forum contest ending today, and we're going to start a new one almost immediately. All you got to do is head over, sign up at the Fightful Forums, start a topic, you go into our contest thread and type entered. It's a good time. I am joined today, as always on Wednesdays, by Fightful.com founder, Jimmy Van. How you doing, Mr. Rossap? Doing good. A little, yeah. little tired, but I'm good. I'm tired as well. So, um, so that forum contest, so what's the prize for that? A Ric Flair Defining Moments action figure. Would it look anything like this one? I mean, anybody can be one of 10,000 satisfied customers. There you go. I was, we're going to get to that later. But, uh, sure. Well, this I'll, is... I'll announce the winner. <laughs> okay. It's Poetess Lady Love from our forums. So congratulations. Oh, like, oh so it's done now. The contest is it's done, done now. This one's done. How did you start? How'd you pick a winner? I picked them at random. Did you just pull it out of your head? They, there's little randomizers on the internet. You type in names. And you put in every name? You put every name to the randomizer? Yeah, of course. Cool. So there you go. So she wins this exact one right here. That means that you get my DNA on it somewhere, somehow. Oh, that's not cool. <laughs> that's kind of creepy. <laughs> I knew Nigel would like that. So give Sean your address, and we will get this out to you. So there you go. Yes. There you go. You know that we are experiencing a heat wave in Toronto right now. That's setting records. Setting records, Sean. 
Uh, my friend Amanda sent me a snap, and it had the Celsius on it. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. And she said, over 100 degrees. And she lives just outside of Toronto. Yep. Yesterday broke a 117-year a record. And as a, as a good Canadian boy, I've had enough. I've had <laughs> enough, Sean. I want some cold now. I'm ready for some leaves to fall. I don't need 110 degree weather in the in just late September. Chisel some ice off that heart of yours. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yes. I could go in so many directions with that, Sean. But but people will shit on me in YouTube because you know <laughs> See, it's, for, for, you it's popular to shit on the man. Yeah, it's popular I'm to shit on the man. The oh, I don't worry about the YouTube. If anything, besides I, our great live viewers who contribute to the conversation, which we encourage, comment your asses off, guys. Absolutely, you can read some of them out if they're you know not too R-rated. It's all right. Sure. So um, I guess we should start out. So you know me, and I'm a big proponent of uh, organic traffic. I'm a big proponent of, uh, I want to actually be a contributor to the combat sports yeah. arena. I don't want to be just an aggregator. I don't want to be one of a thousand sites that takes news from everybody else. I want to be a story maker, Sean, and you know this. And boy, something happened late last week and into the weekend that was interesting. You want to go into some detail about that? Yeah, Yushin Okami got choked out by a, a, a Von Flu choke. It's the most ignorant thing I've ever seen. I saw that and too. So, uh, yeah, we brought on David Vixen's fan. This is very much a last-minute everything that happened. David came to me. I've worked with David many times. I've worked with him at several sites. I've, he was actually my editor at What Culture, And he told me he had this story, and I knew a little bit about what was going on. Oh, boy. <laughs> he knew a little bit what was going on, or I knew a little bit about what was going on. You've got me flustered now. That's why I do it. Jimmy. I want to see how you are under pressure, and this is why I do how this. Oh, I am under pressure. Fantastic. <laughs> and it was about the WWN Flow Slam situation. Flow Slam is suing WWN for basically making false claims as it relates to buys. Mm -hmm. They think that they uh, pumped them up a little bit, and there was a source from uh, formerly of WWN who said they were basically trying to cook the books. Mm-hmm. Not a good situation. Then David leaked an email from Gabe Sapolsky, the Evolve Booker, which gave guidelines about what their talent should do to impress WWE officials and probably just what they should do after they get to NXT. Personally, when I saw the guidelines, I looked at them and I saw, yep, they all sound good. Sound like what WWE would want, no biggie. Gabe wasn't happy. Gabe wasn't happy. And then what happened after that email leaked? At Boy he spoke to somebody from Voices of Wrestling, which he claims was an off the record conversation, and threatened to fire and evolve talent at random over the situation to find out the source of the email because uh, this evolved podcast on Voices of Wrestling had also gained that uh, gained that email. Fight will beat him to the punch. I'll do respect. And what else happened? What are you talking about? What else happened? A lot Regal. of things happened. Yeah, the Regal thing. Regal responded to the email because one of the things that Gabe mentioned in the email was that Regal said that he didn't see a lot of great lockups at PWG Battle of Los Angeles. And uh, Gabe just said, make your lockups mean something. Quite honestly, when I saw the guidelines, I looked at them and thought, yeah, they all make sense. Why wouldn't you want your lockups to mean something? Why wouldn't you want everything 
to mean something. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think there was anything bad there. Obviously, the lawsuit is bad. Uh, Matt Riddle was at Evolve 93, uh, our good friend Matt Riddle, and addressed the internet rumors and said that Evolve will always have a home at WWN Live. And, you know, I wish him success. I've got a lot of friends that work at Evolve. Mm-hmm. Something that didn't even hit my brain waves, John Morehouse was like, do you think Jason Kincaid will get any heat over this? And I hadn't even thought about it. Mm. Like, you know, I completely forgot he was under Evolve contract, but mm. he's one of our great writers. Like, he does some really incredible work for us. So there's a lot but, of stuff A lot of stuff I want to talk about with this. So first and foremost, does WWN own Evolve? Yes. They do. Okay. And so Gabe Sapolsky, he's the booker for Evolve, but he's also a co-owner of WWN. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and so one other thing that happened that you uh, you forgot was uh, when David Bixenspan posted the first story about the lawsuit. Gabe Sapolsky clearly he had been copying and pasting the Fightful article, right? Clearly he had been copying it, probably sending okay, it to so different people. That happened too. Yep. Gosh, there's so much that happened. It's hard to yep. to nail it down. So much happened in like a three day period. Gabe was promoting his event for Evolve, and I didn't even think anything of it because I had posted all the information for the Weekend Evolve shows in addition to this. I was like, here are the cards. Cedric Alexander is going to be on them. So when I saw that he had tweeted a Fightful link along with Evolve this weekend, Cedric Alexander, I thought that's what he linked to initially. Mm -hmm. I didn't click the link. I wrote the damn article. I knew what he was linking to. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I didn't. My inbox blew up. And people said, uh, this is pretty good advertising for you. And I went to it, and it was the article David Bixenspan had written. That's right. So, so Nigel, basically, after we broke a story about how this promotion is getting sued, one of the founders of the company accidentally tweeted the link to the article. Now, what I told you- David Bixenspan, when he writes his WDB story, I fully expect Vince McMahon to tweet it out now. Oh, right, right. It's got to happen. Right. It's got to happen. Well, you know what? I mean, let's let's. There's a few things here I want to talk about from a business perspective. So, first of all, we've talked about flow in the past, yes. uh, and and again, we're not geniuses and we don't know everything about everything. But uh, when flow first uh, came to prominence, I think last December is when they kind of announced what they planned to do. Uh, I was pretty clear in saying I just didn't understand the business model, and I didn't understand how they planned to make money, uh, and I was I was not just taking that opinion out of my ass. I came up with that opinion based on Tommy Dreamer. And I, th- I think we've talked about this before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch upon it. So last year, Tommy Dreamer, uh, we have a mutual friend that does marketing. Uh, and they contacted me last year. And they said, would you be at all interested in sponsoring the next House of Hardcore live stream? What they wanted to do is they wanted a flat fee. Uh, I'm not going to say how much it was, but they wanted a flat fee. And it was gonna, you were going to basically have your whatever logo or whatever company you wanted on the ring apron. I think there was going to be a little logo on the screen. All of that. The reason Tommy Dreamer wanted to do that is because when they had attempted a, an iPay-Per-View, uh, they lost money on the iPay-Per-View. And I don't know where he got these stats from, but he was able to do some research or whatever, and he found that there was over 10,000 illegal streams of that iPay-Per-View. Uh, and so when he did the math, he was mad thinking, if these people had have ordered this legitimately, I would have made money on the show. Yeah. But they didn't, and he lost money. Now, granted, you can't look at that and say, well, that's lost revenue, very much like the McGregor fight, because not everybody that streams the thing illegally is going to order the show if they don't have that option. 
And the yeah. same thing holds true with, with the House of Hardcore. But based on his experience, I did not understand how Flo thought they were going to make money when you're charging people, whatever it was, 13 a month, 20 a month, whatever it was initially, for independent wrestling. I did not see how there was going to be a market for that. Uh, and so seeing, hearing now that they're struggling financially doesn't surprise me. What does surprise me, although it shouldn't, because you and I talked about this this week and about the whole Global Force Wrestling and all of the lunacy that they have done, what shouldn't surprise me is the fact they didn't do their due diligence. How do you do a, a, a rights fee deal with anybody and not do your due diligence first? Like, how is that possible? How is it possible? You have to. You have to. Isn't that mind-boggling? That would be like somebody coming to me saying, I want to put a banner on Fightful. I'll pay you uh, up front on a CPM. And I say, awesome. We do uh, 50 billion impressions a month. And they're yeah. like, awesome. Here's a check. That's kind of sort of <laughs> what happened. Isn't it? You know what? I have encountered plenty of advertisers that do that. And I it's... don't lie. I don't, I don't inflate our numbers. I, I never inflated any numbers that I've sold. But I've, I've, they're, they're just like, okay, not hey, let me see a screenshot of your Libsyn. Let me see your analytics page from YouTube, anything like that even. It's mind-boggling. It's, it's quite remarkable. And <clears throat> I know Gabe's in a very bad place, admittedly. And, I, you know, I, I, that's a bummer for him. I like – Evolve. I like what Evolve brings to the table. Yeah. I like many of their talent. I mean, there have been a lot of guys who have left Ring of Honor to go to Evolve. You had ACH, Donovan Dijak, yeah. Matt Riddle passed on ROH to go to Evolve. Yeah. Uh, Jason Kincaid got his start in Ring of Honor and ended up signing an Evolve deal. Uh, actually, there was a joke that I retweeted that, or I posted that Donovan Dijak thought was kind of funny. I said, who's going to win the Evolve contract in Ring of Honor's top prospect tournament? Because it seemed like everybody who was in it would sign with Evolve, including him. It's unfortunate the way that he handled it afterwards is a bad look. 2020 hindsight, maybe he shouldn't have posted the Fightful link. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe he shouldn't have. Uh, obviously, it was because I was talking about this in the office too. You know how sometimes when you copy-paste something, and then when you copy something else, it doesn't take, and you mm -hmm. end up pasting the, the previous link? That's probably what happened. Uh, and yeah. just, he just didn't check the tweet before he sent it out. Let me ask this question. So we know that Evolve and WWE are kind of in bed. We know that. Yeah, uh, that's we, been the case for a right. while. I mean, Matt Riddle blew that door. I mean, he didn't blow it wide no. open. But the, the William Regal stuff, sending Norman Smiley there. But I mean, Hunter's better Matt, been at an Evolve show. To a degree, Matt Riddle did expose it a little more than I think anybody else had because he has straight up told the story several times on our shows. He called WWE saying – do you mind if I work for Ring of Honor? And WWE said, we'll get you in with Evolve instead. Right. Go here. Right, right. Now, okay, so I understand that he might have gotten some heat from WWE over the whole situation. And I understand that they're now they're in this lawsuit and that's going to be stressful. And, and I think yes. uh, the Flow Sports thing was probably a major revenue stream for them. But looking at the email specifically, I had no problem with the email. Me either. Like, if anything, like you said, I think Gabe's handling of it after the email was leaked was worse mm -hmm. than the email itself. I mean, he was trying to help his guys. He was trying to, to tell his yeah. guys, if you want to get noticed, this is what WWE wants. I had no issue with the email. But again, I understand when he says he's in a bad place, lawsuit, WWE's mad at me, uh, there goes my big revenue stream for WWN. I get all that. but I, I Great thought, great sound advice, I thought, in yeah. that email. And, I mean... If Regal saw bad lockups at PWG, saw bad lockups at PWG. I love watching PWG, but it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's certainly not. Like, 
there are plenty of people who hate that style of wrestling. Who right? And and William Regal doing his job may have mentioned that, saying, you know what, we we lock up a different way here. We like for it to mean a different thing here. If you go to a Chikara, a PWG, an Impact, an Evolve, Ring of Honor, WWE, you could get six, seven different wrestling shows that want to accomplish six or seven different things. And it sounded to me like William Regal doing his job and yep. Gabe doing his job. And this isn't the first time Gabe sends out has sent out emails. Matt Riddle also told us yep. uh, during the, the Joey Styles firing, they all got an email saying, do not say anything political on this show. Right. We are an escape. We are not trying to shove this in their face. And that's why it got Joey fired. Right. So – now I, I, I completely. I, I will say this. So I, I know that Gabe. Uh, I think he told you that he thought that his comments to uh, Voices of Wrestling, he thought those were off the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so part of the story, I can't recall if we already touched upon it, but Voices of Record uh, or Voices of Wrestling, they did a story about this with comments from Gabe Sapolsky saying, uh, "Tell me who leaked the email, otherwise I'm going to randomly fire somebody from Evolve." Obviously, off the record or not, you got to think before you talk to. Somebody yeah. in, in in the media because that could happen. And saying you're going to randomly fire somebody when it's not their fault, um, you know that's that's a yeah. that's a bad look. You should have as thought Jeff, twice about that. As Jeff Hawkins said on last night's post SmackDown show, the discovery period of this lawsuit is going to be very very interesting. You know what? I think Flo's just trying to get out of it. Yeah. The contract, and I I think that WWN. I mean, I've been through this myself in business when guys owe us money and and. You know, they threaten to sue you, claiming fraud or claiming whatever, because they're just looking to get out of the money. I think. I just, that, sorry, I was just going to say, I, I think Flo is just trying to get out of the WWN contract, and I think that they think if we put enough heat on them with legal fees and whatnot, they're just going to back away and let it go, kind of thing. Yeah. But what does Flo have without the WWN Nothing. content? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Nothing. They have one event scheduled for November. Right. And, and how, mu- how much is 20, it? $20 a month. $20 a month. Fuck. I just want to say this. When there's a wrestling lawsuit going on and you have David Bixon's fan, Brandon Howard, and Chris Harrington on your team. Right. Uh, there we go. <laughs> okay, TJP. <There> <laughs> okay, TJP. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. Yeah, it's it's whatever. I mean, I guess it is what it is. And uh, uh, this is kind of related, but maybe not really. So I, I found out today that there's another streaming service that's going to be launching called WExtremeW.com. Uh, feature. So it's going to be featuring the archives of some hardcore wrestling promotions like 3PW that ran like what 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and they are somehow expecting to get nine ninety nine a month for that. Somehow, so that is get up on High Spots Wrestling Network and hope it does. Good. Yeah, it's going to be a tough sell. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because, like we've said from the start, Flow Slam was a very difficult business model. Uh, and now you're seeing these other guys pop up because they're probably thinking, hey, we just have the content sitting on a server. If someone's willing to pay us 10 bucks a month, awesome. Right? It's probably low overhead and, and all that. Ugh. I Let me ask you this, Sean. I thought Powerbomb.tv did a, a really good thing when they, they offered six months of their service to anybody with a Flow Slam annual subscription. Right. That was that was a good way to capitalize on it. And apparently Shane, that's another issue, right? So apparently Flow, when guys are trying to cancel... Uh, they basically won't give them any money back. So if they've paid up till the rest of the year, they're saying, okay, good, you're canceled as of the end of this month, but they're not giving them any, any money back. Right? right? That's What the hell is that? You might as well just say, you might as well just stay on until the end of the year. I have three services. I have 
WWE Network, I have High Spots, and I have New Japan World. I mainly have New Japan World still because it's tied to my Wrestling Inc. email account, and I can't cancel it anyway. So, uh, you know, I, I would have it anyway because I cover those events. I talk about them on podcasts and stuff, but right. it ain't easy to cancel that New Japan World if you don't speak Japanese. <laughs> um, or at the very least, to read it. The High Spots Network, I have to watch old PWG stuff and shoot interviews. I'll, I'll throw that on there sometimes. We we do articles called From the Archives on occasion where we'll take stuff that maybe hasn't come to light heavily from an old shoot interview or something. It's good for, for a slow day content. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, oh, $20 for Flow Slam. Stuff. Think, think about where we are, Jimmy. Yeah. Right in... Like in a couple months, whenever Impact, if they do launch their service, you'll be able to, you'll be able to get WWE's, New Japan's, High Spots, Powerbomb.tv, uh, Impacts, and UFC Fight Pass pretty much for the price that you would have paid for one WWE pay-per-view a few years ago. Right, and Flow and uh, com. Oh, I meant all those together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Flow Slam is more expensive than any of them. Yeah, which is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. I mean, obviously, they did it because they needed to with all the overhead and, and everything, up to the startup costs. But uh, do you remember um, when The Rock did the Hall of Fame speech back in 2000, whatever that was, 2008 First dad? First dad. Yeah. Uh, and he did the very entertaining speech, and he was pointing out certain wrestlers in the crowd. And at one point, he did a fun little thing with Santino Morella, and he looked on at his sheet, and he was like, uh, San Francisco. You know, he was making like he didn't know his name. Uh, so I almost have to do that legitimately when I bring up this next one. Billy Batty? Oh, boy. Uh, now, under normal circumstances, I would not bring up, you know. Spell some... that, oh, boy, B-H-O-Y. There you go. Oh, boy. Normally, I wouldn't bring up some random plug that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. Uh, but this got a lot of play. Uh, uh, I was all over Twitter. A lot of wrestlers. Ricochet was one that 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 commented on this guy. Uh, Reddit. It was all over Reddit. And so I was like, you know what? Based on all of this, I need to bring this up because somebody uh, somebody posted, I think, on the forum or somewhere that they enjoy our talk about wrestling media. Yeah. And I don't know if this guy qualifies. Um, but <laughs> not anymore. He doesn't. Well, not anymore. <laughs> I don't know if he ever did, but why don't you tell us, uh, you know, the, the Coles Notes version of Billy Batty and what happened with this fool most recently. He wants to be Vince Russo real bad. Real bad. He was Who, is he? Who is he? Who is he? He was on Big Brother years ago. He didn't work out as a wrestler, didn't work out as a reality star, and uh, he would always he, – he had like – he had the Jinder Mahal getting a WWE title shot story before anybody else and ran with that ever since. But his stories were often incorrect to the point to where my team was instructed, don't post anything from this guy. It's not reliable. It's not reliable consistently. Right. It, it, you, can't, you can't trust it. Uh, he got hired at my former place of employment and lasted a whopping 12 hours there before getting canned. Went back to Sports Kita. I mean, he was what people identified Sports Kita as. And they cut him after he made a lot of homophobic remarks and Didn't he say sexist. something that female wrestlers are strippers or something? Yeah, and to be honest, if you piss off Deanna Perrazzo, you had to do something really wrong. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, and he pissed off Deanna Perrazzo. Like, nicest, one of the nicest people in the business I've ever met. Right. 
like I can't really even summarize all that he's done. He's just a flaming piece of trash <laughs> that finally <laughs> got doused. Okay, Sean, stop. Stop dancing around the topic. Why don't you tell me what you really think of him? You know what I think. About. <laughs> well, you just kind of said it. He just he's said garbage. It. <laughs> he's garbage. He's not a good writer. He's not a good podcaster. He's not an entertaining personality in any regard. Mm. I hate gimmicks when you're when you're a journalist. I hate gimmicks. I've told all my team that too. Journalism is what you have to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I I say ya boy on occasion, but I mean I'm not like. So sorry, you around. said you said oh, you don't God. you said you don't like gimmicks. Is that what you said? Is that what I heard? But he tries really hard to be this politically controversial gimmick. I don't like that. Ultimately, you fall back on your journalism. You fall back on your sources. You fall back on your skills. Right. And that guy had fucking none. So why did it blow up that he was fired? Like, why does anybody care? Because they don't have to do it. Well, okay, he would get cited by a bunch of websites, notfightful.com. And people would, you know, they would go to these websites and they would see him cited... Then they would click the link, they would open it up, and they'd be like, oh, this guy. Uh, oh, this guy. Oh, yeah, this guy. Yeah. So is he one of these guys where uh, he would just make shit up out of his ass? Like, uh, I don't know, Rusev has new red tights. So he's like, oh, hey, Rusev is uh, he's going to be doing a Russian gimmick. And he would just throw yeah, shit I mean, up like that? I know that he did have somewhat of a source in WWE. He knew somebody, but it wasn't consistent. Right. Like, he was getting fed bad info all the time. Right, right. Well, good for him. Good for him. He, right. uh, I saw he took the criticism uh, incredibly well, just like how you used to. So that's pretty good. And uh, uh, but well, you, you've gotten I, a lot I don't better. Know how he took it because oh, he, he didn't he take got it well. Banned from Twitter, and so did his podcast account. Really? They all got cut yeah. from Twitter. Yeah, terms. He violated the terms of service. He threatened to hospitalize somebody. What? When hasn't he? What is it with Ryan these Satin with that all the time. Like, yeah, I see. I'm not really familiar with this guy. Like you've mentioned his name to me in the past, but I'm not really familiar with him. Yeah. So good for him, man. Good for him. So uh, I wanted to bring that up because somebody said they like the wrestling media thing, and because uh, uh, I saw all of the the. Yeah. I think the Ricochet tweet was the one that told me maybe I should mention this because wrestlers are actually getting involved. So. Alistair Black, too. Alistair Black did, too. Really? A lot of people. A lot of people, man. Really? And he said it pissed off Deanna Peraza. Yeah. Like I said, man, if she's going at you publicly, yeah. especially on Twitter, right? oh, man, like you had to have done something wrong. And then I looked, and I was like, man, color me surprised. Right. Color me surprised that it was this guy. Hmm. And – uh he, I mean, a few months ago there was the story of him, like he had spread that Rusev and Lana asked for their release, and then they mocked it on Twitter. So, there you go. Hmm. Well, good for him. Let's, I, let's wipe our hands of that. Yeah, I mean, trash. so so does he live in? You said he was on Big Brother. So where does he live? This guy. How the hell should I know? Is I he know. is he American? I don't think I don't know. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Well, I mean, Hell, you know, maybe who gives a shit? Starbucks is probably hiring. You could probably, you know, be a barista or something. No, they probably that. do background checks. He ain't getting hired there. Uh, uh. I'm trying to help him out. Tony Giovanni got a gig there, so I'm trying to, you know, trying to help the guy out. Why you okay. take a shot at Giovanni? Huh? No. Why are you taking shots at Tony Giovanni? No, he did it for benefits for his family. I fully respect that, man. I oh. fully respect that. I think he's doing all right these days. That's good. That's good. I don't have an opinion one way or the other. Seems like a good enough guy. Cool. 
Uh, so I've been waiting for about three minutes for you to segue because you're supposed to be so good at it. And every time I pause, Nigel, waiting for the segue, I get dead air. This is the reason, Nigel, this is the reason that in previous weeks I've done my own segue. Because when I wait on him, I get dead air, even though he tries to shit on me when I do my own segue. So, Nigel, you see what I'm talking about now? Jimmy, do you have any ketchup? Uh, I'm Canadian. We must have some here somewhere. I needed to put on all those harsh browns you're serving me. That's the best you could come up with? Yeah, it was. I'm looking at Sean Ross Sapp right now. Why didn't he do the segue? Um, that's actually a good point. Like what? The, that's a the, good point. You're so, running this mask bullshit on me, and you're you're sitting there saying, "Oh, I've been pausing all the time." <laughs> so, so speaking of Sean Ross Sapp, ya boy, duty trash. I recently talked to one of Evolve superstars, Matt Riddle. Let's see what he had to say. Digging holes, digging holes, <laughs> digging holes. <laughs> the guy's got it. He's still got it. You ever gonna face Trent Seven and lose to him? I'll face him, but I won't lose to him. I haven't lost to him yet. So I gotta be honest. When people have seen the episode where you got mad at me because I said Trent Seven was gonna beat you, mm-hmm. and I was in Cincinnati doing a commentary gig, and you sent me a text, and you're like, "I just beat Trent Seven in six seconds." I was like, no, you didn't. I was like, shut the fuck up. You did not beat him in six seconds. And I really thought that you, like, got people at the event to, like, tweet that you did it. You beat him in six seconds. Yeah. How does that go down? Like, I mean, you show up at the venue and the person in charge says, hey, quick night for you. Do you get – like, I'm so intrigued by how that – plays. Because, I mean, do you get a full booking fee for wrestling a six-second match? I'll, I'll tell you this, man. When you just ooze charisma and you walk into a room and people just start chanting, bro. It happens to me all the time. You only, you only have to work about six seconds. If you, have you watched it? Like, Did you see the pop I got on that? Yeah. Six seconds. That's all you need sometimes. Uh, you know, no, this is what happened. We got there. We were scheduled to go that 25, you know, 20 to 25 minutes. We were the main event, day one, super strong style. And uh, Trent was like, hey, what do you think? And I was like, I think that's a great idea. And and it wasn't just so we could have a quick match, but it was like, it's a three-day tournament. You know, there's going to be two more days of wrestling. Every match on all these cards are like 15 to 25 minutes because it's like super matches, you know, kind of like Bola. You know, every match is like 15 to 20 minutes, you know. So it's like, so like, let's shock the system, you know. And like, we all talked about it and management was down and we cut us free. Does management pay you all your full booking fee for that? They, sh- they sure did. That's got to make you feel kind of good, doesn't it? Hey, hey, you know, we, we played this, we played our part on the card, and we got a great reaction. It, it told a story for the whole weekend, you know. It helps, it's it's got to feel like a win all around. You got a giant pop. 
You beat a WWE contracted guy. You did it in seven seconds, and the crowd was happy about it. At that, you did something new, and management was like, yeah, we'll do it, and we'll pay you the same as if you did a 25-minute match. Yes. But Joey Janela says you don't work over 15 minutes. Sometimes – I think I said to Janela when he said this, sometimes when you're good enough, you don't have to work more than 15 minutes. Well, you know what I thought was funny was that weekend you had a match that went 15 minutes and one second after he tweeted that. Dude, I knew deep Happy. down. I knew – I had some I've, – I've had some 20-minute matches and like some 30-minute matches here lately. I've been going a little longer. Maybe not the last couple, but like I think the weekend before that I had some long ones. It's about time you got that cardio up. Yeah, yeah, that's that cardio. Matt, thank you. As always, we look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, man. But you're not wearing the your boy shirt, so you're dead to me. Yeah, I'm wearing suplex. They They're they're pretty good. They're pretty good. I love their stuff. They got premium products, suplex. You know, you can get my bro T-shirt. You know, I'm the – I do the sport wrestling, not the pro wrestling. So. Full day's pay for six seconds of work. Not too bad. You know, I will say one thing about what Real said about, you know, not working 15 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want longevity in wrestling, given today's style that a lot of these guys have, especially if you go to WWE, you got to be smart about what you do in the ring. And yeah. when I heard this interview with Matt – you might find this weird. The first guys I thought of were the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Really? Yeah. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe not in that regard, no. So in the 80s, the Rougeau brothers, Jacques and Raymond, were notorious, like in a good way, I guess you could say famous, for being really good at killing the first 10 minutes of a match without even a lockup. Yeah. And Larry what- Zabisco, the seven-minute stall. There you go, same thing. And and what they would do, uh, and you've probably seen it because they did it in a few TV matches, but they usually did it on the, at the live events. Uh, Jacques Rougeau would do a nip up, and then he would invite his opponent to try to do it, uh, and he would do like a flip over the top rope, you know, kind of thing, and he would invite his opponent to do it. They would get massive heat from the audience, and not even a lockup. And I remember hearing stories from guys like Arne Anderson, uh, who said that whoever was working the Rougeaus loved that. Because they knew it was going to be an easy night. They knew they could go, they could yeah. go out there for 15 minutes, and the first 10 would be killed by that bullshit. So, I and have, they, sorry, go ahead. I have watched Eugene on independent shows spend about 10 minutes threatening to shove his thumb up a guy's ass. Right. Right. And Shark Boy threatening to bite a dude's ass. Lots of <laughs> ass play on these indie shows, especially near where I wrestle. And of course, that's what you remember. You remember the ass play. Well, I remember because that's what everybody was there to see those guys. Yeah. And they got 10 minutes of threatened ass biting. Now let's, we can, well, also I want to bring up when I told Matt that he was going to lose to Trent Seven (laughs) that WrestleMania weekend, he got hot. Like he got really mad at me on that show. Really? And yeah, it was, it was funny. You all can go back and watch it. But I had just been told that he was going to lose to a WWE contracted superstar. And I thought it was Trent Seven. Mm-hmm. It ended up being Drew McIntyre, ah. which he says, he's like, well, if that were the case, I don't even think Drew knew. But uh, I remember I was doing a commentary gig that night, and Matt sent me a text. And he was like, check your notifications, bro. And mm-hmm. 
they had a rematch, and he beat Trent Seven in like six seconds. Right, right. And that was the story we just heard where he got right. paid for all that. And we can address the elephant in the room. I, I haven't – I've only reached out to Matt to ask him, hey, did you get paid on time by Evolve? Is that something that I had heard? Right. Usually I don't – if people are affiliated with us, I don't like to use them as sources for stories. I think it's a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. But I was completely transparent with that. I would be shocked if he were allowed to be featured on Fightful again. I schedule that with him myself, but I would be shocked if if something hasn't been said to him. I can't say that it has. I've not spoken to him once about this stuff. So Yeah. Uh, but we like Matt. Yeah, it was all good. Uh, I want to talk about No Mercy. Yeah. Um, I don't want to touch upon every match, but there's certain matches I do. So uh, first and foremost, Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. What did you think? I thought it sucked. I agree. I agree. It sucked. I thought it was very disappointing. Uh, and I really did not like the finish. And when the finish happened, I thought of Brock and Samoa Joe. And I thought of how a lot of people said, well, that's bullshit. Brock beat him with one F5. Yeah. And in that match, Brock Samoa Joe, I had no problem with that because it was Samoa Joe. And yeah. because Samoa Joe took like 85% of the match and because the finish came off out of, out of the blue when he had the choke on Brock and Brock turned it into the F5 and got it and pinned him. I was cool with that. In the Braun Strowman match, here's a guy that was booked for how many months, Sean? Eight months? Yeah. As a, as a monster. And he's destroying everybody and everything. And the finish came out of nowhere it's like he, he just I can't recall if Brock uh, reversed a power slam attempt uh, but he just picked him up F5 pin Brock was, either got Brock either got tired or forgot a spot is what happened yeah you think so yeah okay I but I that's... I was very disappointed in that uh, Steve Austin was even said he was interviewed by 107.7 The Bowen out of San Francisco he questioned if it was wise for Braun to lose after one F5 and when I saw that happen I thought to myself okay this is not the end of Braun Strowman, but they have to uh, capitalize quick in order to kind of get him back to where he was. And uh, if you think back to Fastlane last March, the Fastlane pay-per-view, he was beat clean by Roman Reigns. And he didn't lose any shine because right after that, he continued doing his thing. He continued attacking Roman Reigns on Raw. They had a couple of rematches. One was the uh, ambulance match. One was the last standing match. Braun won both of those. And so losing at Fastlane didn't hurt him. I felt personally that what they did on Raw was not the way to, 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 to get a shine back kind of thing. Because beating up Kurt Hawkins, who gives a shit? It's Kurt Hawkins. Then he goes into a match with Dean Ambrose. And you know, you got to love when they do the tape all the time. Because they want you to know the guy's hurt, right? So he goes in there with Dean Ambrose, who's supposed to be hurt with a taped up shoulder. And they had a competitive match. Like, Braun should have steamrolled Dean Ambrose if he's got a taped up shoulder. But they had a competitive match, and I watched that, and I thought to myself, they've, they've taken the shine off of him a little bit. You know well, I think they fumbled with him a lot. Uh, I Honestly, I thought he should have beaten Roman earlier this year. I don't think anybody should have beaten him by now. I think he is the next Brock Lesnar. You can have Lesnar beat him, but, man, that was super underwhelming. I, I agree. Why, why didn't he not only win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, but eliminate every single person in it? Right. Right. He should have done that. I don't give a damn about Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski was on the sh- on the show two weeks later doing the same damn thing that he did at WrestleMania. Right. He didn't need that spot for him. Right. As for the Ambrose thing, I didn't mind that as much because outside of – like when we're talking straight one-on-one matches, virtually the only guys this year he's really faced are 
Reigns, Cena, Lesnar. Those are all top-flight guys, and WWE wants you to believe that Dean Ambrose is on that top-flight level, that he's just tougher than everybody. And he didn't get, like, a ton of offense in. They they had, like, he choked him a couple times. He landed a few spots here and there. I didn't think it was that competitive. It was long, but... Yeah. I thought it was pretty competitive. I mean, he got him on the floor, I think, and I don't know. But I'll, I'll tell you what's even worse than all of that. So, Nigel, do you remember a few weeks ago we told you about this wrestler who had big blood poured on him in the ring after he <laughs> lost after he lost a match clean they, they poured fake blood on him in the ring and he cowered around on the mat like a frightened deer do you remember when we told you about that yeah i think you mentioned yeah, so you that. that would be mr finn balor and so finn balor loses clean to bray wyatt a couple months ago whenever that was cowers on the mat like a frightened deer comes back to win a couple rematches Still does spots in the matches that don't make sense to me. Like when he's on the top rope, Bray does the crab walk, so he's got a look of fear on his face. As opposed to just jumping off and fucking stomping on on him anyway. And now Mm -hmm. the rumor is that the cowering frightened deer is going to get the next title shot at Brock Lesnar. The cowering frightened deer who is 100 pounds less than Brock Lesnar. I mean, I I could accept that. I could accept that. I can but, always accept it. It's pro wrestling. It's yeah, it's pro real. wrestling. Exactly, exactly. I could accept that, but how is the audience supposed to accept him as a viable challenger when he just finished a series against Bray Wyatt? I think somewhere along the way, Nigel has pinned Bray Wyatt. Yes. So how are we supposed to look at Finn Balor as a viable... N- Nigel fits the Wyatt family profile. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. we gotta, we got to get you a one-piece, Nigel. Canadian right. wing... Not bad. But how are we supposed to look at him as a viable contender when he got out of a series with Bray Wyatt, including a clean loss, cowering on the mat like a frightened deer? Now he's going to get in there with Brock Lesnar, and we're supposed to look at him as a viable contender? Well, I want to I make it clear to those when I, when I spoke of, of size. I didn't mean, like, I can't believe that Finn Balor would stand a chance. It's pro wrestling. I believe anybody has a chance. Right. But I was more comparing Bray Wyatt, Brock Lesnar. Right. Like, oh man, like, so he's he's terrified of Bray Wyatt at times, but he wants to challenge Brock Lesnar. Right, okay. exactly. Whatever. You're right. His and, matches and, have been better lately. I've enjoyed Finn Balor matches lately, but. Yeah, and you know what? We've talked before about how they dropped the ball with Bray Wyatt and how now Bray Wyatt is kind of damaged damaged as a, as a talent. Can you imagine if they had a protected Bray Wyatt with all of the, the magic and bullshit that he does and then put him in a program with Brock Lesnar? And had him trying to pull that shit on Brock Lesnar, that would have been entertaining. Or they did the same thing. They didn't fumble as often with Braun Strowman. And you have a ready-made feud with Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. Absolutely. Bray Wyatt absolutely. brought him in. Yep, absolutely. Yep, it would have been good, but it is what it is. Um, Roman Reigns, John Cena. So this was a match that going in, I wasn't, I didn't anticipate it that much. I, I very much look forward to Brock versus Braun, and that was disappointing, as we've talked about. Roman and Cena, I didn't look forward to that much because it was pretty clear to me Roman Reigns was going to win. Um, the match, I thought, turned out pretty good, but here was the problem I had. Tell me if you agree or disagree. The things we don't like about those characters came out in the match. The thing we don't like about commentary came out in the match. And for me, it took away from the match. I mean, here you had John Cena, and I and I know that he likes to improvise a lot. He likes to play off the crowd a lot. He's supposed to be in a serious match. He's just had a month's to, worth to of... To a fault. To a fault, right. So he just had a serious... Uh, he was going into a serious match. They just had a month's worth of serious promos. Two minutes into the match, 
some fans are chanting, you sold out, and Cena decides, you know, on, on the fly, I'm going to just pretend to walk out. I'm going to take and, a powder. Right, right. Like, I watched that, and I thought to myself, you're, you're destroying the legitimacy of the match. Then to make it worse, Roman Reigns kicked out out of a 73 attitude adjustments. Four. <laughs> might as well be 73, Sean. It might as well be. Uh, I, I just don't like how they book him as Superman all the time. But they both take a back seat to greatest of all time, Sean. Greatest of all time. I'm wondering if Gisberto Guzzo, either he could, maybe he took account already, or if not, if you're listening, could you go back on the network, watch that match, and take account for me. How many times did Michael Cole say greatest of all time when it comes to John Cena? He must have said that 20 times in the match. And clearly he was told to say it. Clearly, they wanted to position Cena as the greatest because they wanted to give that rub to, 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 to Reigns and make it look like Reigns just beat the greatest of all time. It was so irritating, I found. It, it distracted me from the match, having to listen to Cole say greatest of all time 112 Where do you rank times. Him greatest of all time in WWE. He's had a longer run than about anybody but The Undertaker. Top five. Yeah. And, and, and you got it, I think. You, you have to. And I look at it like this. Uh, and we're going to get to this a little bit later when we talk about Cena on, uh, on Edge and Christian's podcast. I do think that when he started 15 years ago, it was a lot easier to make it to the top of WWE, and it was a lot easier to have longevity in WWE than it was in the 80s when Hogan was on top, than it was in the 90s when Austin was on top. It's a different world. They keep guys under long-term contracts now. It's just a very different world. But at the same time, would they have kept him on top for 15 years if he didn't draw? I doubt it. No, no. I doubt it. Even though it can be argued that they've had Reigns on top for three years and he's not drawn. They got they but. got Jinder Mahal doing headlining SmackDown and 60-70% of the arena is empty. That's right. Uh, so I, I've defended John Cena against a lot. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply of criticism over the years like especially his in-ring style and stuff like that like there are times he does like well he doesn't do the springboard stunner anymore because steve austin started to publicly say that it looked like crap it did yeah i you know i'm okay with him doing the part-time thing i'm okay with that i hate the you know i hate going with the typical oh he buries all these people i hate to use terms like that i don't like the mark smark all that horse shit he knows what he's doing when he mm -hmm. does some of these things. I mentioned it 
with the Baron Corbin deal when he rolled out of the ring and he mm-hmm. put on a damn cowboy hat. He was saying this match isn't important because I'm not treating it as ed- as ed- important, and neither is this guy. So don't think he's important. He did that with the Miz several weeks ago, if you remember, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. He on the fly was like, "Okay, well, I'm leaving," mm-hmm. and the Miz had to stop him. Thankfully, the Miz is as quick on his feet as he is. Mm-hmm. He did it again Sunday. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm leaving. Yeah, WrestleMania caliber mm-hmm. was the term that they threw around 50 times. Right. Greatest of all time is what they threw around. Right. And he thought that it was a smooth move to powder out after the way that this has been portrayed mm-hmm. and the things that they have said to each other. He thought it was a smart move to take a playbook out of, or a play out of a 1970s, 1980s playbook. Hup, I'm going to leave. And then Roman has to turn him around and punch him. And the selling initially was comical. Like, it was... Right. Like, one punch, and he's laying on the mat, and all that. Taking flat backs off of one punch. Now, Roman Reigns throws one hell of a work punch. One of the best I've seen. Cena does not. Cena, No, Cena does not. And he's had a lot of shoulder injuries, so that's understandable. But, I mean, hey... Nobody's keeping him from throwing uppercuts. Roman Reigns does it all the time. The Undertaker did it all the time. Kane yeah. did it all the time. Do you remember the Boss Man's old uppercuts? He threw a hell of an uppercut. Boss Man was phenomenal with his punches. His punches looked as good as anybody, I think. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, that's I want to move on. Uh, uh, Nigel, yes. have you ever done anything, uh, any kind of uh, sport, any kind of you know physical contest that you've been a part of? Not really team sports. I used to snowboard a lot. Okay, that's not. Well, you we'll go with yard that. sprint shitting. Seems to be the popular thing. That's what's hot in the streets these days. Well, maybe in you in Kentucky. So, uh, hey, Nigel, if you were, let's say that you were doing a twenty-minute snowboard race, right? Let's say ten minutes into that snowboard race, you hit a tree face first. And all of your top teeth broke off. They got they got shoved up oh. into your jaw. Four right? millimeters. Yeah, four millimeters. Your, your front teeth got shoved up higher up in your jaw, uh, and and a couple of them broke off. And your your blood your mouth is all full of blood and everything. How would you do like finishing the last last ten minutes of that uh, snowboarding race? I'm gonna go with probably not well. <laughs> so Cesaro, who we have put over a lot, Sean, on this podcast yeah. over over the months. Uh, Nigel, he was in a tag team match at the No Mercy pay-per-view. Early in the match, he was flung into one of the ring posts. I still don't know, Sean, how he didn't get his hand up, uh, unless he did it on purpose. But he, uh, he, he, was, he was flung into the ring post, hit the ring post mouth first, knocked his front teeth up into his jaw. There was blood everywhere. And then he proceeded to wrestle 10 more minutes and finished and, the match. And wrestled well. And wrestled well. And appeared on Raw the next night. Uh, alongside Seamus, and took a bunch of selfies with his teeth looking like a mess like that. That guy, he, Cesaro was a stud, man. That guy does not get enough credit. Uh, to me, he was the superstar of the whole show, I thought. Yeah, hats off to him. He got a great reaction backstage, too, uh, as if people didn't know that he was double tough anyway. Right. It was it was reaffirmed. Uh, they, they let him know about it with a rousing ovation. Right, uh, and, he, and he deserved it. And then uh, Jason Jordan, man. I think the time has come, the time has come for Jason Jordan in storyline to tell Kurt Angle, I made the whole thing up to get ahead and maybe attack him from behind or do something and then and then try to work as a heel. We've, we've talked about it. It was painful, wasn't it? It was painful. And we've talked about it on this podcast, man. 
No one was going to buy this. From the time they booked it, no one was going to buy it. Today's fans are too educated. They read the internet. You got Kurt Angle posting on Twitter, you know, something about my five children forgetting about Jason Jordan because it's stupid. Uh, it was never going to get over. No one is buying it. It's killing them. They need to just get away from it. Turn them heel. Attack Kurt. I made it all up. They got to do it. Like, what do you think? Yeah, you got a team of writers. They can come up with something creative. And I know that there'll be some goofball that's like, well, why don't you write something better? Well, that's not my job. Can they come up with something better? Can they come Uh, up with something better? It would take me long. By the end of the night, I could have something better. No, Um, they, not you, they. Could they come up with something better? I don't know. I would hope so. If I could by the end of the night, I would hope that they could. Yeah, yeah. I thought that Sunday was going to be Jordan's Die Rocky Die promo. It was not. He needs to get there because he's dying a slow death with yeah. this crap, you know? He is. Uh, okay, Nigel, let's go to Stupid People. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. All right, so first off, Trevor Strong, TrevorStrong.org. Thanks for the use of that song. We have an update, Sean. You and I talked about it off the air. According to KRDO in Colorado Springs, uh, a family representative, quote-unquote, claims that the mad pooper has a brain injury and can't control herself since gender reassignment surgery. And that is their explanation for her taking random shits on random lines for apparently the last 10 weeks. And a brain injury, allegedly. That's what I said. A brain injury okay, and uh, yeah, and gender reassignment surgery can't control her bodily functions. I think I was like anticipating, like, how am I even going to address this? <laughs> I may have missed it. Like, like I said to you, and I don't know how much I believe it. I'll have to see some evidence, like, of the spokesperson. Because I was going like to say I, evidence of what? Well, there's plenty of evidence that the dropping dukes happened, but I could say that I'm. Vatura's spokesperson and that she in fact is not loyal to Greg there is no loyalty there or Jimmy Van oh no she's loyal to Jimmy Van I'm the spokesperson I say she's not (laughs) it is hereby ruined I don't know that the mad pooper (laughs) I don't get the feeling that they they have a PR team (laughs) Like, where can I contact the Mad Pooper for booking inquiries? I think you should contact KRDO. You should actually like call KRDO and try to get an interview with the family representative. Uh, okay, let's go to stupid news. Right so, after Queen B. This first one was reported by the BBC on September 26. Something tells me that you're going to have an opinion on this, and I think Nigel's going to have an opinion on this too. The BBC have interviewed me before. I'm sure they have. They have. I had to explain <laughs> to them Bubba the Love Sponge work. Oh, did you? So a U.S. rapper named B.O.B., his real name is Bobby Ray Simmons Jr., has started a crowdfunding campaign because he believes the Earth is flat and he wants to send satellites into space to look for the curve. He's looking to raise a million dollars, and at last check he had raised uh, $2,850. Isn't it amazing that these people, Sean, you know what they actually do? So they actually post photos on social media of, say, the New York skyline, and they say the Earth's flat because there's no curve. So in their mind, the Earth is about what 200, 200 miles wide. Yeah, in their mind, it's it's unbelievable. I, the the political guy over here, I'm sure you, uh, you know, have opinions on this whole Earth is flat theory or conspiracy theory. Because there's been a lot of bullshit with 
athletes and rappers and stuff about that. I was just going to say, why waste all that money on a satellite? Just get them a fucking plane ticket. Well, considering that... could pretend that airplanes in the night sky were like shooting stars. There you go. Well, considering he's raised 2800 bucks out of a million, Nigel... Over your fucking head, Jimmy. <laughs> Way I, over your fucking head. It's to, be honest, to be To be completely honest with you, I was not really listening, but I would not have gotten it, Sean. I wouldn't have gotten it. Not my kind of, uh, of stuff. This next one, this one's interesting, man. I know you're a fan of animals, Sean. Yeah. At least, at least cats. And so you might find this one interesting. So it was reported by the local.de, which is a news uh, publication out of Germany, that a wild bison was spotted in eastern Germany for the first time in 250 years after facing near extinction in the area. All right? For the first time in 250 years, a wild bison was spotted. A local man spotted the bison, went to local authorities to let them know Local authorities decided it's a danger mm. to the it's a danger to the public, and they had it shot. Oh no. God. Yes. Oh yes. Can you believe that, Nigel? That's ridiculous. Isn't that unbelievable? They couldn't at least get a tranquilizer dart. Well, they, there have to be more. We know there have to be more. So the article said that they're making a comeback in other areas like Poland and whatnot. Okay. Um, that was the first one they had seen in Eastern Germany in that particular area, and now the WWF. Not to be confused with the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're uh, looking to file charges, even though I don't know what they think they have to do with it. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was unfortunate. This last one. Are you familiar with institutional syndrome? No, I'm not. So institutional syndrome is when people that spend long periods of time living in a prison or a medical facility, they have trouble functioning in the real world, in the outside world. Yeah. Right? Uh, and if you've ever seen Shawshank Redemption... There's a character named Brooks who's in prison for like 50 years or something, and when he gets out, he doesn't know how to function, and he hangs himself. Yeesh. Right? He actually tried to get back into prison yeah. because, right? Yeah, I am. I am familiar with that, just not the term. Okay, so this story, I don't know if this story is stupidity or institutional syndrome. I tend to think it's stupidity because these guys are young, so it's not like they've spent 50 years behind bars. Uh, it was reported by WLBT Channel 3 in Mississippi on September 19th that four inmates broke out of the Holmes Humphreys County Correctional Facility, went to a dollar store, broke in, stole whatever they could carry, brought it back to the jail, snuck back into jail, and were looking to sell the shit to other inmates. Uh, they were caught. It was picked up on surveillance camera. One of them actually got... Yeah, yeah. It's funny that they never even thought about that, right? Surveillance camera. Uh, and they actually... One of them actually got bonded out uh, like a day or two later. He got out on bond. But, uh, yeah, they did that. Four guys went to a dollar store, bought a bunch of, not bought, stole a bunch of cigarettes and shit, tried to sneak back in to sell it to inmates, and got caught. One of my favorite shows is currently on hiatus. I almost got away with it on the ID network. And unfortunately, like I said, they're on hiatus. They came back last year. This is the story. I need this story. It's, a, hey. it's basically it's a show where people escape or they they jump bail or something and right. it's their tails on the road right and then how they eventually get caught i need that story firsthand you should email in to them and tell them about it give me a shoot interview with those four right well one I, of them, i'll pay the 20 bucks for flow slam if they get that on there one, one of them one, is, month, one, one month. of them is definitely available because he got out so you could you could wow. probably talk to him um let's talk about the shield reunion yeah let's now, let me tell you something, Sean. 
I understand WWE's desire to try to minimize network churn outside of WrestleMania season. Makes perfect sense, right? I understand they're trying to present hot matches and hot angles because they want to keep subscriber accounts up prior to Mania. That's why they did Roman Cena on a B-show. That's why they did Brock and Braun on a B-show. And now the plan apparently is to do a Shield reunion against The Miz, Bo Dallas, and Curtis Axel at the Survivor Series. Here's my question. Um, do you remember the 2011 Survivor Series? I do. Now, on that show, ironically enough, it was another Survivor Series, and ironically on that show, The Miz was also featured. They had The Rock's in-ring return after seven years to Madison Square Garden. Should have been fucking huge, right? The Rock's in-ring return after seven years. And as it turned out, um, it kind of fell flat. And the reason it fell flat is because it was The Rock and John Cena against The Miz and R-Truth at a time when The Miz and R-Truth had been booked like scrubs and at a time when Cena, because he was Superman Cena at the time, was taking care of both of them by himself, which made everybody question, why does he even need The Rock? He doesn't need him. He's killing these guys by himself, right? So now they're going to take The Miz, put him with Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, who sure as fuck aren't the British Bulldogs by any stretch, and they're going to reunite the Shield for the Survivor Series. How do they expect... Do you think there's going to be anticipation in that, knowing the competition? Because to me, there's not. Nope. No. No matter who they put them up against on their current roster, it would have to be an established trio. Yes. Agreed. A new established trio. Yes. I'm not talking like some makeshift Braun Strowman, Cesaro, Sheamus thing. Yeah. We know that Sheamus and Cesaro aren't on that level now. Yeah. It would have to be a new, established trio. What about um, uh, Cole and Fish and O'Reilly? That'd be their best bet right now. They could have done that. But I think that once they get in the ring with Reigns, Ambrose, Rollins, yeah. Ambrose and Rollins aren't big by any standards. Yeah, yeah. They're going to make those guys look real small. Like A lot of people don't realize how small Adam Cole is. Yeah. Now, however, yeah, you're right. all three of those are fantastic. Kyle O'Reilly is one of my favorite workers in the world. Right. Uh, Adam Cole, a great dude. I've interviewed him before, too. Uh, right. Bobby Fish, I was surprised they gave him a job at his age, but right. he's right. still doing it better than almost anybody else. So I think they would be a better bet, but you can't do that. You, you, there are no good options, so why do it? That is a WrestleMania moment. That's they, right. To me, they are reducing a lot of what WrestleMania is. Like the Shield triple threat match should have been a WrestleMania main eventer full of full-time guys that they yeah. could push, push, push. Yeah, but again, I think they're looking at it like Mania is going to sell itself. That's kind of the mentality. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that too right? because we're sitting there for seven hours while it yeah. sells itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're sitting there for seven hours. I'm not. I'm, I'm sitting, sitting there, for... there a lot longer than seven hours. Because <laughs> our yeah. post show's two hours long. Well, there have been rumors, uh, prior to No Mercy, about a Shield reunion at the Survivor Series, and then obviously they set it up on Raw. And I just thought, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel? Like, really? You know? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, okay, let's talk about something that I actually like. Let's yeah. talk about Enzo Amore, the bad guy. Enzo Amore, everything he's done in relation to 205 Live has been fantastic. He's brought more eyes to it. Agreed. Um, we get we get more interest in it through the website. We have more requests to talk about stuff on 205 Live. Mm-hmm. It had the main event segment this week, which mm-hmm. the post-Raw stuff 
got great YouTube numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, cracked two million by last night. That's mm -hmm. unheard of for a cruiserweight segment. And now, his promos have been good, and it's brought out the best in Neville too. I saw that there were people complaining about uh, Enzo beating Neville. Uh, I think Anna had a big problem with it, and maybe Alex did. Going in, I mean, last week on our show when we were doing our predictions, I picked Enzo to win, but I thought he was going to win, uh, as I call it, slipping on a banana peel. I thought Neville was going to slip on a banana peel. I didn't think Enzo was going to win due to wrestling yeah. action, and that's exactly what happened. He won due to, due to Neville slipping on a banana peel. I had no issue with it. I don't know why anybody's frustrated with it. Like you said, Enzo was elevating 205 Live. They did not position him as being a better wrestler than Neville. Uh, and in terms of uh, uh, people thinking about, you know, what does this do to the cruiserweight division? And people yeah. are thinking about quality and legacy and all of that. All you got to do is look at Drew Carey in the Hall of Fame. WWE yeah. doesn't care about legacy or quality or anything like that. It's it's a business and it's marketing and, and it's it's revenue. And that's all they care about. And uh, I think Enzo's helping 205 out, out a lot. Had no issue with it. He came off like such a pompous jerk on Raw. That watching the start of that segment, I thought, are they turning him heel? I mean, it sure yeah. looked like they're turning him heel. And then on 205 Live, he went full fledged heel, attacked Neville from behind with a crutch. I'm cool with it. I, I, you know, the one thing interesting because WWE is all about dollars and cents, Enzo's been a pretty big merch mover. And what is a heel turn going to do to that? I mean, I don't know. Right? Yeah, that is something to, uh, to look at. But he's been a numbers mover for, for better or for worse through everything. Like, right. like they 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 just like him, and from what I heard, he did make amends backstage, and they just ran with it. Like there were a lot of people that thought the whole thing was a work. The whole thing right. was not a work. Right. Uh, had Big Cass never got hurt, I don't think Enzo Amore would have been a baby or would have been a heel. No. Like, cause, cause now, Enzo, how is Big Cass not the baby face? Oh, when he comes back, he will be. Yeah, like he is the babyface in that entire situation. I could like, even see he, them. I could see them having Cass come back to to do a run in on Enzo and put them back together for a, a short time, because he's not going to be back for eight months. Yeah, right. I, I could see that happening. Yeah, I could see that. But, but Enzo uh, made amends with a lot of people backstage. There are still people that he rubs the wrong way, but right. He recognized the situation and he treated it accordingly. And I, from what I was told, it, it said a lot to those backstage. So he's one of the best promos on the sh on Raw. He, he is. is. He's he a is. fantastic actor. Yeah, that yeah. guy. I agree. I think he's doing good for the show. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Mm. So uh, he appeared on a Fox News documentary series called Objectified. Uh, sure. Now, there's a lot of stuff he talked about that we, we're not going to go into. He claims he doesn't use the N-word anymore. Good for Hulk Hogan. Um, what I want to... sacrifice Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> what I want to talk about is something, because I know something for a fact that I've told you before. I don't know if I've said it on the show. I'm going to say it on the show today. Uh, so Hulk Hogan on the documentary, he suggested that WWE won't welcome him, won't welcome him back. And he said, this is a quote, I'm not sure. I think they did what was best for business. They were worried about losing sponsors and network support. Okay? I know for a fact, Sean, that last August, Vince McMahon called Hulk Hogan to wish him a happy birthday, and he left him a voicemail. And the voicemail said, I hope we do business again someday if you're up for it. And that is what the voicemail yeah. said, and I know for a fact that that happened. Uh, I have said before on Fightful that I think the ball is in Hulk Hogan's court. Based on that, I still think that. 
I think that uh, I think Hogan is just playing the babyface by by saying it's on them. I think it's on Hogan because he's got the back surgery settlement. He's got the Gawker settlement. He's doing big money with the merchandise and all that stuff, the signings. He yes. does not need to go back to WWE. I think he's quite comfortable with, with where he's at in life and with where he is financially. Uh, I think the ball is in his court, not WWE's, and I think that, again, he's just trying to stay the babyface with the public. I just posted on Twitter uh, an article where that you're kind of referencing that you you gave us the information about how Vince McMahon did put the ball in Hogan's court. He's got a lot of money. I think he rec- I don't think he's dumb. I think he sees the social and political landscape right now and <laughs> maybe says maybe down the line a little bit further when things calm down because right. it's a madhouse everywhere. Yeah. Like yeah. And he imagine, let me tell you something. Imagine if he had come, come back on Raw after all the the NFL stuff and Donald Trump and all like what he said just Hey, here's some more lighter fluid for that fire. Let's just right. squirt it all over. And and you know, WWE always loves making those political references and pop culture references. And Corey Graves made it a point on their show this week to say politics is definitely something we're not doing on right. their show. So right. Right. I think maybe he I think Hogan's not stupid. He understands that too. Even though uh he does have two or three people working at his pretty much empty beach shop on a Thursday afternoon when nobody's there, so maybe not smart in that regard. I'm not sure if he actually owns it. I think they licensed the brand. Really? Well, so. whoever yeah. licensed it, maybe not smart, but yeah. cool yeah, place, yeah. though. I, I yeah. loved it there. Really yeah. neat. So um, I sent you a screenshot yesterday. Yeah, you I'm, did. And you posted the screenshot on Twitter. I didn't know you were going to do that. Thanks for telling me. But you posted the screenshot on Twitter. Hey, let's just say this. Worth it or not? Uh, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. Next time you might want to give me a heads up before you do that. When but, I uh, sent you, ha, 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 in all caps, through a WhatsApp message, that is pretty much me saying, this is getting posted. I didn't tweet the Ronda Rousey photos. Maybe, maybe just, shh, I uh-huh. about that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, uh... Rick Flair told People TV that in his career, I wonder what Nigel's going to think of this, not in his career, in his life, he has slept with over 10,000 women. Um, now, there's a lot of ways to do the math. It's funny because I think Alex did it from the start of his wrestling career. TMZ did it from when he was a teenager, assuming that you know he lost his virginity at like 15 I did it or 16. the start of his wrestling career. I oh, you did it. Okay, okay. So if you want to just roughly ballpark it, because there's different ways of doing the math, works up to like 200 a year ish right? I mean let's be honest he if, if it's 10,000 99% at the very 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 minimum were in his wrestling career oh absolutely so no question. you go with the 222 per year and that includes like up until today yeah I mean he's, things probably slowed down a lot in recent years for Ric Flair but yeah but um, so I sent Sean a screenshot uh, and I got to say, I really applaud the way that she handled this. So Wendy Barlow, who is Ric Flair's fiance, she used to be Fifi in WCW. They've been together now for several years. She posted on Facebook, and she's got a Facebook account that's private. She posted on Facebook, very simple post, said 10,001. And I saw that, and I thought, that's awesome. That's the way to play it. And I sent the screenshot to Sean, and then good old Sean Rossat posted it on uh, on Twitter. But well, uh, Wendy, Wendy's a worker. 
She knows what's she, up. It's true, and I, I thought it was just a, it was a great way for her to handle it. Uh, good old Ron Jeremy. And Nigel's laughing because you know exactly who Ron Jeremy is, he's, Nigel. He's trying to get that mania payday, isn't he? Yeah, maybe. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> so Ron Jeremy was caught by TMZ, uh, probably sitting at a table having a meal somewhere in, uh, in West Hollywood. Uh, they asked him about the number that Flair, you know, claimed of 10,000. And Ron Jeremy's calling bullshit. He says it's just impossible. He, he Ron Jeremy was joking around about you got to live your life. You got to you know if you're young you you got you're going to school. You're eating. You're sleeping. You're shitting. Impossible. Who knows? The the one thing I will say is that there have been a lot of stories about Ric Flair and his escapades. A lot of stories going back to the late '70s, early '80s. So you never know, Sean. You never know. But it it would be I mean, a very Tony, Tony Schiavone's podcast when we went listen to it was pretty much just about how big Ric Flair's wiener was. So. There you go. But there have been a lot of stories about how he would take off all his clothes and be walking around with just the robe on, and he's done that like a million times. Who and... says he's only doing one at a time? Maybe he's doubling, tripling up here. Don't need to go into those details. Anything this is just... possible. You think uh, Vince Russo's uh, doubled or tripling him up? I don't think that he is anywhere near 10,000. <laughs> Let's hear from Vince. You know I'm sick, Sam. Another situation that you had to deal with, and it was an unfortunate one, like shortly after you showed up in WCW, Bret Hart gets kicked in the head. Yeah. He's got to retire. What kind of a monkey wrench did that throw into any oh, plans? Oh, God, bro. It was everything, everything, bro, everything. And, I mean, like, w the pay-per-view was a couple of days away, and we, we had to fix it, bro. We had a quick fix it. And, again, I was just trying to logically figure out something that would make sense, get us through the pay-per-view, and then figure out long-term. But Brett was a big so part about of – 2000 is one I would love to just speak yeah. with you about for, like, a full hour because – yeah. yeah. That was that you all got hit hard right before that, like several matches. Oh, I yeah, Jared. I, I remember Jeff. Jeff couldn't work because he got a concussion yeah. when Snooker came off the top of the cage. We lost yeah. Jeff, we lost Brett, and it, bro, it was a couple of days before the pay per view. So, what, yeah, what well, I, happened over, over the last week? The last week. So, what I tried to do, bro, bro, here's where I always started when I wrote wrestling with logic. Let's start with logic. Okay, if, if, if this was really the hand we would dealt logically what would happen and that's that's what i try to refer back to so brett he's out of the picture was there any heat on goldberg for maybe being stiff blasting him in the head bro i don't know if there was in the locker room you know what i mean but at my level i mean there wasn't you know stuff happens in the ring bro i mean it just happens sometimes guys are kale i mean it just happens in the locker room, I don't know if there was, but from a management level, I mean, there wasn't. It's, it's just part of part of what you're dealing with. How soon after that did you all know that he'd be – he was cooked, he was done? Brett? Because, yeah. Oh, like, bro, I, I, I probably didn't believe it till till the end of my contract at WCW. I probably didn't believe it. You know, I, I, you know, I probably thought, you know, maybe he was just trying to get out of a bad situation – contract whatever the case may be i never thought we were we were not going to see him wrestle again ever yeah because we we saw him wrestle 
maybe a dozen more matches, but a lot of them were live event matches and right. they were against Sid or, or Benoit, they'd be DQs or no contests, something like that. Like yeah. he didn't finish a whole lot of matches. You know, the Hart family went through a real tough time that year. Like it, it was bad. And even, even like Bulldog got hurt really bad uh, shortly yeah. before that too. Like it, it was a tough situation. It was a tough, I want to say 18 months, 19 months for those guys. Um, so, I mean, were, was Brett figured into the big plans at that point? I know that you all had oh, rekindled man. the NWO. Huge, huge, bro. Huge, huge. I mean, because one of the things I was watching when I, when, uh, when I went to WCW was they, they did not know how to use Brett. They just did not know how to use him. And I had so much respect for this guy working with him at the WWE. I just wanted to get him in a spot that he belonged in. So, yeah, bro, there, there were big, big plans for him at that point. Guys Tip to you people who interview Vince Russo. That's the kind of stuff you ask him about, not, well, hey, what about Jim Cornette? <laughs> you want to get him talking and get some good stories out of him. Ask him stuff that people don't ask him. I always wondered about that Starcade event because I remember, mm-hmm. I think it was Starcade, in the days before, mm-hmm. just unraveled. Really nothing like we've ever seen before outside of, I remember there was the the first Punjabi prison match where everybody tested positive for like elevated liver enzymes and mm-hmm. like several big names off the card got pulled. But that was one of the most doomed wrestling shows in mainstream history. What did you think of Bret Hart's WCW run? Oh, man. If any brand could have used a roster split that early, it would have been WCW. They had so much talent. And he was like, you know, they're like high, highly touted names would hold their United States title, but you knew it really didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And he was relegated to that, and unfortunately a boot to the head stopped it. Who knows mm-hmm. how that NWO reincarnation could have been. So I, I thought that his run was mostly forgettable. Yeah. Uh, I thought that part of it had to do with uh, forces kind of outside of his control such as when he came in at Starcade 97. And I don't care what anybody says. I, I think Hulk Hogan got to Nick Patrick and told Nick Patrick to do a regular count on the sting pin in order to make everybody look foolish. That's what I think happened. That made Brett look foolish for being out there waving it off, you know, claiming no one's going to get screwed. So that kind of killed him right out of the gate. I think that Brett's passion was gone because of Survivor Series. I thought he was kind of going through the motions a lot. Uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't what he was in the WWF at that time. There were two things I thought he did that were really great. I thought that the Nitro from Toronto when he wore the steel plate and Goldberg did the spear. Brilliant. That was Brilliant. great, I thought. And the match with Chris Benoit uh, at, as the Owen Hart tribute. I thought that was great. Outside of those two things, I thought it was a very forgettable run. I just I, I didn't think he had the passion for it at all. Well, it was a forgettable there. run. And for a while, you know, he, he missed some time after the, the Owen situation. That's and right. Yeah. He had a great match in February of 99 with Booker T. Other than that, his matches were there. I mean, he had some decent matches with DDP and Ric Flair and Kurt Hennig. Yep. But his best match is one that I'll probably never watch again in Chris Benoit because I don't feel comfortable watching the match. But the the Mm. plate was good. Mm -hmm. I was interested in the NWO revival, but it Mm. just didn't – it wasn't what it needed to be. And that's a shame. It's a real bummer. course. So this next one, uh, this is not something I should talk about when I have uh, an employee in the room, but uh, I, in my entire life, 
any job I've ever had, I have never feared getting fired, ever. Uh, I have worked with people that I fear getting fired. I've worked with people that walked on eggshells. I've never feared it. And if I, if I felt I was being mistreated at a company, if I felt management wasn't good to me, I would always make it known how I felt. I would always try to get to know whoever the boss was, whether it be the general manager, whether it be the CEO. I always would do that. I always felt like if I get fired, I can find something else. And that was always my mentality. So I've never had that fear. Uh, John Cena was on the Edge and Christian podcast. And he said that he finds that a lot of the talent today is too nervous to go to Vince McMahon. Uh, and this is a quote. He said, I don't understand the nerve-wracking of it all. You get fired, that's the worst thing. We're in the business of holding on to a lot of guys. Uh, there's never been a better chance for someone to be a WWE megastar than right now. The door is wide open. I don't and, – and you know something he also talks about in that same interview? He talked about how he thinks there's some, some complacency in the locker room. And we've talked about how – there is in some cases, but in a lot of cases, there's not. In a lot of cases, guys want to supposedly grab the brass ring and they're being held back creatively. But I will tell you a problem, uh, and this is something Daniel Bryan's talked about. This is something that other people have talked about. Part of the problem is the fact that a lot of the talent today is intimidated by Vince McMahon. They don't talk to Vince McMahon. Uh, Sasha Banks one time did an interview, and I don't remember where it was. She said she mainly talks to Triple H because that's who she knows from NXT, right? And I think a lot of other talent feels the same way. They know Hunter from NXT. They're intimidated by Vince. So they, I think in some cases, even avoid Vince because they're intimidated by him. He is the decision maker. He yeah. is still the boss. Daniel Bryan in his book said straight up, Michael Hayes told me as soon as I was in line for, for the title, get to know Vince McMahon. Go to his office, talk to him, get to know him. And Daniel Bryan started doing that. I can't believe that a lot of the talent today, I think even Jinder Mahal said on Jericho's podcast that he's intimidated by Vince yeah. and, and would go to his way to avoid him. Are you crazy? If you want to get ahead in the company, you go to the guy, and that's what you do. And so I agree with Cena to a degree about complacency. Like I said, I think there's a lot of guys that do have that hunger and that drive, and, and maybe they feel like you know creatively they're not getting opportunity. But if you're not going to bring yourself out there and if you're going to sit back and wait for them to tell you what you're doing tonight what do you expect to happen right so to a degree i i, I agree with cena to a degree not completely so i agree and disagree and mm -hmm. i can apply this to my job when people ask me for advice about advancing in their careers with this i just say nobody's coming to get you right i'm not tracking you down like and nobody's just like we got to make that guy our guy while he's not doing anything. And Although I did I'm that. Sure the same way. I did that with you. I went after you. I was making a full-time living. Thanks. Oh, so you're saying uh, like unemployed but, uh, people. Hey, hey, I'll apply it to my situation too. I, I used to be worried about my position here the first several months I was here. I did. I didn't know you very well. We yeah. interacted on Skype. When we started to do this show – I got to know you on a more interpersonal uh, manner. I saw your dedication. I saw your demeanor, that type of thing. And that's the type of thing that a lot of these wrestlers aren't doing with Vince McMahon. And Agreed. I think it is hurting them. Absolutely. John Cena is on that level. John mm -hmm. Cena interacts with all these people. I think that maybe he doesn't understand that not everybody – that maybe Vince doesn't have time for everybody. That being mm -hmm. said, you got to do something different. And complacency is poison. Absolutely, That's, and you look at somebody I'm, like look if at somebody I'm like complacent. Sorry. I could lose my job if I'm not there. Somebody else will be there, and that's the same thing in WWE. If somebody is complacent, somebody who isn't complacent will step up 
and be more than happy, unless you're Randy Orton. You can be complacent and get keep your job there. Apparently, right, right. But There's you look at a guy like look at a guy like Kevin Owens, right? And Kevin Owens, right now, he's you know the premier guy on SmackDown. Even though Jinder's the champion, Kevin Owens is the guy on SmackDown right now. And he, in interviews, had said pretty openly that he goes to Vince and he talks to Vince and he has a relationship with Vince. Maybe in a different era, if you look like Kevin Owens. Even though you got the promo ability and you got the in-ring ability, maybe in a different area, if you look like him, you don't get an opportunity. This day and age, as Cena talked about, the door is wide open to get an opportunity. And I think that Kevin Owens is not stupid, and he recognized, i got to get in with him. Yeah. Especially if Vince has this opinion of, of my work based on what I look like. He's the guy i got to get in with. And I don't think, there's, I don't think it's really an accident uh, that he is now at the top of the card, and he's also one of these guys that has no problem going to Mr. Man's office. As opposed to a lot of guys that are still afraid and would rather go to Hunter, um, you know. Not again, just I, that. Do different things. Be different. St- right. Make an effort to stand out in whatever you do. If it's creative like that, right, right. Try to be different. If if he doesn't want to establish a relationship with you, be different to the point to where he wants he wants a relationship established, like where he sees you as an asset. Like that's just. You got to do that. I mean, I see that all the time. I see people. I I'll put, when I was looking for a new writer, when we hired Jeremy Lambert, I said, "Guys, send a news sample." Do you know how many opinion samples I got? Mm-hmm. I got dozens. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "It's not what I asked for." I got a lot of different things that made me take note. You do something different, the person who is in control of your destiny in that regard will will step up. And if you you follow up. You got to follow up with a Vince McMahon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, what am I doing this week? Why am I doing this this week? Just explain it to me. That's something John Cena said that he said oftentimes you'll end up walking away saying, oh, okay, I get it now, even if you're doing nothing, but right. you got to make the effort. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, I want to talk about The Rock. He is the subject of a uh, pretty good article uh, in adage.com. And the point of the article is talking about his business, Seven Bucks Productions. He's launching a new ad agency called Seven Bucks Creative. Uh, they talked to his ex-wife, Danny, Danny Garcia, who is his uh, business partner. But one thing out of this article that I thought was very interesting is they talked about The Rock's return to pro wrestling in 2011. And in other articles and other, in other features, Rock has talked about that return. And he has said that he wanted to go back. His previous management wanted him to distance himself from wrestling. Uh, wanted him to lose weight and all that. He got new management, and he wanted to go back to wrestling because that was his passion and all of that. In this article with that age, they very honestly said that his return to wrestling was strategic. And it was not done because he necessarily loves wrestling, even though he does. It was done as a grassroots move designed to make him look grounded and connected to the people. Uh, and Danny Garcia has this quote. She said, We had a lane that no one else traveled, meaning pro wrestling. She said, he didn't become Tom Cruise, he's not Will Smith, he lives and breathes with the people. And so I found it very interesting that I think for the first time, The Rock has said publicly, I returned to pro wrestling in 2011 strategically to help my Hollywood career. That's why I did it. It wasn't because I missed wrestling and I wanted to go back to it. I did it because I had new management, I wanted to breathe new life into my character, I wanted to... uh, you know, be one with the people, show them that I'm grounded, and that's why I went back. And I thought that was very interesting that he very honestly said that's why he went back in 2011. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm always interested to see 
his moves and like what like, will he ever work again wrestling mm-hmm. who knows but of the people that's a good ex- that's a good description of him because despite the fact that he's somehow able to eat 14 pounds of fish every <laughs> single day he portrays himself and really comes across as just as a remarkably humble dude and I'm like how yes. how how but okay I buy it from him he does he come off ultimate- that way Jimmy he's at the point now it's not saying a lot considering the the state of politics these days people are like hey why don't you run for president what qualifications does he have for that he's considering it too yeah I know why wouldn't he why wouldn't he yeah but that's how likable this guy is yeah I agree. Now, he I, I do think die Rocky die. He can overcome almost anything. Yeah, I, I do think after reading this article and and having them explain how the return was strategic, it does make you understand why he has slowed down his his wrestling appearances. Because since 2011, in 2011, he wasn't what he is now in terms of his stature in Hollywood, right? And so you can look at it and say, okay, now he's a main man in Hollywood. He's one of the highest paid guys in Hollywood. He's getting all these franchises. And so now he's been slowing down his wrestling work. It's almost like they took from wrestling what they needed in order to get him positioned where he wanted to be positioned and then pulled back on, uh, yeah. on doing the wrestling stuff. And you know what? I have no problem with that because WWE got a lot out of him too. Right? Yeah. So I have no issue with it. But I thought that was very interesting. Anything, and especially Danny Garcia, especially the, the relationship they've maintained. It's amazing. Very, very amazing. It is. I can't think of another one where your your ex-wife is your business partner and, and they seem like they're really tight and her new husband is The Rock's trainer. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because she's a competitive bodybuilder herself and if you, if you look at that Ad Age article, she's got guns, this girl. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. That's about all I got, man, because we're we're pretty much at time today. Out of time. Yeah. Shed a tear, pour one out. Fightful.com. Are you being sarcastic? Yeah, I love doing this show. Nigel, I was a little hurt by that. I can tell. Yeah, a little bit. So that's all we got. That's all we got, man. Nothing? I had a few more things on my list, but we're at time. I don't like going overtime, so maybe maybe I'll throw them on the show next week. I can deal with that. Guys, uh, head over to Fightful.com. I will start a new contest soon. It'll be very easy. All you got to do is sign up for our forums. We encourage you to use those. And, of course, share our stories, social media, Reddit, all that good stuff. Leave us thumbs up, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. I want to thank you guys so much for all the support that you give us. Uh, Interact with us. Twitter, Facebook, our Instagram, our YouTube, any way that you can. But come over to Fightful.com because we have uh, news photos, videos, podcasts, anything you can ask for in a wrestling, MMA, boxing website. And if we don't, then just put it in the forums and we'll do our best to get it. Melissa was interacting with people in the forums the other day, Jimmy. Cool. There you go. It's good. She was she was letting them have it. She was she was trolling everybody. Awesome. Awesome. You're, you're not even going to combat that. You didn't even read the post? No. Okay, she didn't really troll people. She was a <laughs> She was as polite as any non-Jimmy Van Canadian would be. Sean's like, damn it, he no-sold the whole thing, Nigel. (laughs) Not fair. fair. (laughs) Guys, until next time, follow us at Fightful Online Cross-Platform. We are out. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.